Yesterday, the main point that I made in the group of death was Maria Sakkari is a free win in this group. I even referenced Champions League football, talking about uh, Barcelona, enter, Bayern Munich, and a team called Victoria Plo, whatever, from Romania or wherever. That's the group of death. That team, Vittoria, whatever, that's the free win in the group. That's a free win. There are two spots up for grabs. And it's between three teams. Three teams fighting for two spots. Everyone gets a free win. Uh, Victoria, whatever. Vittoria, I don't know. I don't know what. Okay. Here this year, in uh, the WTA Finals 2022 in Fort Worth, Texas... In this group of death, Maria Sakkari was the free win of the group. Jabor, Sabalenko, and Jesse Pagula. Uh, them three players are fighting for two spots to advance to the second round. <laughs> now, yes, yesterday, obviously, there were a turn of events. Uh, not only Sakkari... Okay, not only did Jesse Pagula lose to Maria Sakkari and sort of... Uh, you know, there goes her free win. Uh, she lost her in straights. Which might I remind you, in this format, uh, it's a big deal. It's like goal difference in football or whatever. Uh, so right now, out of all the players in the group, um, she has zero sets won. She's won zero sets. Uh, everyone else in the group has uh, won at least one. Uh, <laughs> that being Jabor and Sabalenka and... Uh, Sakari uh, have uh, two sets to their name. Sakari obviously two sets to love. Sabalenka two sets to one. We'll get to that match in a sec. Maria Sakari two sets to love. Seven six seven six over Jesse Pagula. Now before I talk about the match and and you know the performance, I just want to talk first, uh, like on paper, like what that means. Uh, sort of what is the significance of this uh, particular result. And I'd like to maybe make some predictions for how the rest of this group is going to play out. Obviously, one match already played uh, for each player. There are two, uh, sort of two rounds left. Uh, two matches to, to be played uh, yet. Uh, two matches yet to be played for each player, okay? So here are the scenarios for the group. Tomorrow, not today. Uh, we still have a lot to talk about for today. Uh, the other group plays their opening matches. Uh, Iga versus Kasatkina. And an amazing match, Coco Golf versus Caro Garcia. <clears throat> anyway, here are the um, scenarios for Nancy Ritchie group, is what the group of death is called. Um, so on day three, tomorrow, um, round two, I guess, or match day two or whatever. Uh, Jabor and Pagula is the first match, and then Sakari Sablenka is the second match. Now, here are the scenarios. Regardless of what happens in the other match, if Sakari beats Sabalenka in straights, she's through. Okay. That's one scenario. But that doesn't take account the other match. No matter what happens, if Sakari wins... In straights against Sabalenko, she's through. 
if Zachary wins, be it in two or three, and if Pegula wins, Zachary will be through as first leader of the group, and Jabor will go home. So if Pegula beats Jabor, and if Zachary beats Sabalenka, Zachary is one, Jabor is four, and then Pegula and Sabalenka have one win, one loss each. And they'll play on match day three or whatever, and winner winner progresses. Simple. If Sabalenka and Jabor win, so if Sabalenka beats Zachary and Jabor beats, beats Pagula, that would put Sabalenka at two wins. And put and if Jabor beats Pagula, that would put Pagula at two losses. Sabalenka would be through as group winner, which is remarkable. And Pagula would go home with two losses. No matter what happens in the Sakari Sabalenka match, if Pagula loses in straights to Jabur, she's going home. No matter what. Okay. That would that would put her at zero sets one, four sets lost, and she'd go home. Now, obviously, the sets won and lost uh, is like sort of the first tiebreaker. The second tiebreaker is games won and lost. At the moment, Zachary, uh, she's 1-0 as far as, you know, matches. In sets, 2-0. and In games, 14-12, 7-6-7-6. Sabalenka's 1-0, 2-1-1 in sets. And games, 17-17. Once Jabor, obviously the opposite of that. She's 0-1, 1-2 in sets, 17-17. And Pagula's 0-1, 0-2, in games. Now this is really interesting. Um, a nice way to do it is not look at the scenarios and then predict what's going to happen. But I... <laughs> I thought that would be very interesting to sort of consider it. Now you can sort of look at the matches and, and just maybe think who you think is going to win. Jabor versus Pagula. I think that's an extremely tough one to call. Um, we'll talk about the Jabor match in a second. We'll even talk about, you know, the uh, the tennis that was played yesterday and, and both matches. Uh, you know, assess their performances, uh, what went on in just a second. Now the other match, Sakri and Sabalenka. Who's going to win? Is Sakri... In fact, not just a free win for the entire group, and Pagula just missed her chance, and, you know, it's back to what do we expect, and, yeah, I mean, Zachary's the free win here. Uh, Pagula fucking blew it, but Sabalenka and Ons are definitely going to beat her. If that happens, then Pagula's uh, in big trouble uh, for letting that slide. Uh, Pagula would have to beat both Sabalenka and Ons, and hope for the best. Uh... Yeah, it's a tough one for Jesse. I mean, or I mean, is Sakari Sakari gonna like be competitive? Like, sort of contend? Is she, is she actually in the mix to qualify to the semis ahead of like? Two of these girls, who are all—all all of them are better than her. Uh, she beat Pagula in straights, but I mean, like, okay, one, 
one result, one shocking result went your way. Um, that's it, right? I mean, it's like crazy shit can't happen all the time, right? You know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, it is early because like there's three matches and we've only played one. So like, obviously by the time the next match is played, uh, two matches would have been played. There's obviously like one round left and the picture will be a lot clearer. You know, which is, like we said, now we have scenarios. Um, but it's like, no room for error at this point for um, Pagula. And as far as Sakari goes, it's sort of the opposite. It's like, not there's no room for error, because she actually does have room for error, considering she won her first uh, match, two sets to love. Um, but it's like, you expect her now to sort of fuck off, and that's how you get sort of interesting groups. Um, and I think really this group of death, in all honesty, um, just went from a th three-horse race to a three-horse race, but instead of Fagula, it's Sakari. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I mean, uh, maybe it is a st like now a four-horse, four horse, uh, wow, 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 safe, I cannot speak. Maybe now it's a four-horse race. Okay, can you try and say that? Wow, wow. Okay, <laughs> can you try saying that really fast? Four horse race. I'm not gonna do it. I just said it way too many times just now. Anyway, is this group now a three horse race uh, instead of a three horse race? But the three horses are now Sabalenko and Zachary. Or is it a four-horse race? Are they all in contention? Is Jabor in contention? Because she plays Pagula next, and they're both um, the losers, right? Like they they both lost their mat their their first matches yesterday. So like you feel like whoever loses that one, like it's probably done for you, right? But I mean, who's gonna win that one? If you look at the lines, minus one ten, minus one ten. Uh, and truly, I think that's a very, very, very fair line. Uh, the, it's a true 50-50, and it's, uh, the implications are huge for either player. Getting your first, like, being 1-1 one one, uh, versus being 0-2, it's, uh, it's everything when the entire group stage is three games, right? Or three matches, rather. Anyway, I think it's really exciting for the group. Because um, this is a really, really exciting group. And to sort of shift to the tennis here, and and sort of maybe be a bit more serious than I, than I have been here. I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm always serious. Everything. Uh, look, everything I say, I mean it all the time. Not all the time, but like like usually, if I'm not serious, I'll say. Or like, even if I don't say, like maybe you'll know. <laughs> but if, if if like if you don't know or like or if you don't if, if you don't know or if like, if you can't tell then that's on you. I'm sorry, but no, really, truly. Uh, now I'm being 100% serious. Um, most of the time I am uh, pretty much dead serious, uh, but I'm gonna be even more serious now, and and we're gonna look at the two matches that were played yesterday uh, before we move on to discussing Iga, sort of giving her her pre uh, giving her. Wow. I, st I can't speak. 
giving her preview, giving her her pre. We're going to talk about Ego for a little bit, give her her preview and sort of introduction, and then we'll talk about the two matches today uh, for the other group. Okay. <laughs> Why was that so hard? So, we're we're gonna start with Pagul and Sakri. Obviously, as we know, Sakri won seven six seven six. If, I think it's important to note and highlight that they played eight or nine days ago in the Guadalajara final, and Pagula won that one uh, pretty pretty easy six two six two, I believe. Uh, Sakri had herself one of those weeks where you know she had a, a crazy run, you know, made a semi or a final, didn't mean anything, you know. Who the fuck is Sakri in a semi or, or in a final if she'll 100% lose? Um, but it was one of those weeks where, like, you know, even getting to the semifinal, like, like yeah, just had a bunch of crazy shit happened, uh, you know, in, in, in Guadalajara, Sakri's run to the final. Um, I think play, she saved, like, 19 break points per match uh, or, or something like that, uh, something ridiculous like that. Just, just... Just you know, like I always say, sometimes stupid, crazy, sh like crazy shit happens sometimes. Okay, and and that's sort of what it takes of an order for Sakri to get to a semifinal or final. Obviously, <laughs> you know, here on planet Earth, shit isn't that crazy where she actually ends up winning the title. No, no, shit is never actually that crazy. But you know. Can be crazy enough where she, you know, gets one, two, three, four wins, ends up in a semifinal or final, you know, like, yeah, but no, no, no. <laughs> definitely nothing so crazy like Sakura winning a title. Or, oh my god. But anyway, you know, let's be serious. So Sakura got smoked six two six two against Jesse Pagula like eight or nine days ago in the Guadalajara final, and today they played the opening game of of the entire like singles uh, event, and. I'm going to say both girls weren't good, but it's like, and I'm, I'm being serious. Like, I'm not trying to be funny, but like, Zachary always like, isn't good. You know what I mean? So when I say like, both players weren't playing well, that's not to say that they both can play better. Like, no, that's just Zachary. Like, we, like we know Zachary shit, she's not going to play well, that's a given. But I guess the significant portion of, you know, both players not playing well, uh, Jesse Pagula herself was not playing well at all. I'm not making excuses or, you know, discredit, dis, wow, discrediting, discre discrediting Zachary for her straight sets win over Jesse Pagula. But no, Jesse Pagula really wasn't playing well. She wasn't serving well at all, couldn't hit first serves, hit a lot of uh, double faults, some in really bad moments, some very untimely double faults. Zachary, uh, I mean, she wasn't great. She had a, she led by at like a break and a hold, so like by at least two games in both sets. Uh, and even though she did end up winning those sets, they did go to a tie break, so you know, sort of gave that um, advantage away in both sets. In the first set, she served for the set. Uh, you know, it comes to no surprise. This is what I mean when it's like Sakri wasn't playing well. Like she didn't, she failed to serve out the sets. I mean, that happens all the time. So it's you know that's that's what I mean when I say like 
both players weren't playing well. Like, like yeah, but Zachary doesn't always. Zachary always plays doesn't play well. You know what I mean? She never plays good. Honestly, Zachary didn't play like shit. Um, but she didn't play well enough to deserve to win the match, in my opinion. I mean, not in comparison to Pagula, because Pagula actually um, kind of gave it away, especially in the first set in the tiebreak, and that sort of, uh, you know, she came out very, very flat. Uh, in the second set was actually love three down. Sakri had a three love lead, by the way, in the second set, still went to a tiebreak. You know, it's just things like that. Like, this is typical Maria Sakri. Um, but the difference is, usually her opponent, if they play just a little bit better, uh, they'll end up winning, no problems. You know what I mean? You know, despite being, uh, you know, despite having to break to stay in the set, uh, despite being love three down, you can recover. And you can eventually end up winning the, the, the match if you just play, play better than Sakari. Which, uh, in all honesty, it's not a tough ask. But like I said, Jesse Pagula was not at her best, nowhere close. It's not... Like, I wouldn't be too worried if I'm Jesse Pagula, because, like... Yeah, that's a really bad result, but... I know I can be much better. The difference is, like, Zachary, despite the really good result... She really can't be much better than that. I mean, she she won a fucking match. Like, it does, doesn't get better than this, honestly, for Sakari. I'm being completely serious, like, for real, like, when I say this. Like, it literally does not get better than that for Sakari. She cannot play any better than she did. Which, you know, just... Just for the record, it's not... Which is not a, like, a very good level at all. But that's the best she can play. And she did. She She played the best she could. And she ended up winning. Most of the time, honestly, that's not good enough. For Jesse Pagula, she let the first set tiebreak get away from her. She, you know, throughout the match, she put herself in really bad positions where she had to recover. In certain moments, she did well enough and actually was great at very key moments. She came up big and in, in, in big during big points. Um, but unfortunately, she sort of put herself in too many sticky situations and and sometimes you can't recover from them okay in the first set uh she did let that tie break get away from her uh she did well to recover from love two uh sakri won the first two games of the match uh pugula recovered to to two all uh sakri served for the set like i said uh pugula broke her uh went to a tie break but but again again putting herself in more trouble she, she couldn't get out of uh all of those tricky situations. In the second set, she did well to save some... Uh, she was serving to stay in the match at 5-6 in the second set. A set down. Um, and sh and sh shaved. Saved some break points, which were match points. Uh, and forced the tiebreak. But then in, in the tiebreak... Yeah. No, it was really close. It was really close. And uh, the bright spot for... Um, or like the positive takeaway, I guess, for Jesse Pagulas, you can play a lot better. Uh, and that's not like something crazy to say. She, she can definitely play a lot better. But it doesn't get easier than Sakri, unfortunately. It's not going to get any easier. She has to beat, you know, either Unz. Well, she honestly has to beat Unz tomorrow. Um, if she wants to stay in the mix. And then Sabalenka, who might already be... Uh, 
qualified by the time they play so that you know could be like a like a freebie or something who knows we'll see when we get there so yeah for Zachary the positive takeaway it's not that you played well or anything it's that you won you you, you got the result you wanted uh, you know it was a, a clean win a straight sets win so for Zachary that's remarkable for her she'll take that for sure doesn't get any better than that uh, I guess a not so positive takeaway for Sakri is that sh she's uh, still a shit player, and 90% of the time, if she plays like she does or did, uh, she's gonna lose. Um, but anyway, last comment on that match. I I think the level from that match was, you know, and I'm I'm being honest. From both, it was it was pretty competitive. It was pretty close. So there were some big uh points crucial points you know like like uh you could feel like uh like like the the pressure the tension uh which is what you expect from sort of uh you know a like an event like this in a tournament like this at wta finals you expect matches uh to be close uh competitive and it was and it was which was uh a good thing to see and i bring that up because uh the second match sabalenka jabour was extremely competitive uh, honestly, from start to finish, even if the first set was 3-6 uns, or sorry, 6-3 uns, double break, um, it was it was a high level from both, it was pretty competitive, all the games were close, and you, you, you could really feel the uh, sort of signi like the, 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 the quality and, and the significance of the occasion, like these are in fact like some of the best players, and, and it was reflected... Uh, and you know, and, and the quality and the level of the players, and also again the, the the tension and the pressure. This would be such a good watch if that arena was a full, b better, and c maybe a, a little bit quicker. Um, this is something that uh, I actually forgot to mention uh, today. Uh, I can't believe I just went 22 minutes uh, without bringing this up. Yeah, what the fuck is up with that court? Like, uh, like forget the fans. Like, like the court seems very slow. Some of the bounces are weird, uh, you know. And and I think that's mostly what uh, Pagula was struggling with. Um, it just it just feels weird, right? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm I'm being influenced by sort of the players' um, sort of reaction and body language to some of the balls and bounces. Um, but no, like watching, it just feels weird. Maybe it's a fans for me, and it's like a, subconsciously that's what it is, and that's why it feels weird watching, uh, you know, such a big and and, and crucial and significant uh, event. It's meant to be prestigious, but it doesn't feel like that at all when you're watching it. Uh, for some reason, maybe it is the fans. To talk about the fans, um, uh, sorry, what fans? Uh, most of the stands are empty. I mean, the this Dickies Arena in, in Fort Worth, Texas, playing women's tennis. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe Halloween had something to do with it. Maybe you know, we're going trick and treating. You know, maybe maybe that has something to do with it. Okay, we'll see the rest of the week. We'll see today, tomorrow, like that. Maybe you know, the semifinals uh, and the final. Maybe it's a better turnout. I mean. A, it can't get any worse. It was dead empty uh, and quiet, which is such a shame because honestly, both matches were pretty good. Uh, like the like the like they were competitive. They were close. Uh, the quality was there. The the tension. 
um but the fans or just the it's all lacking and and i think it has to do with the arena itself uh, it has to do with the fans just it just lacked atmosphere and um what's the word like taste it didn't have taste or like fla flavor that's where it had no flavor uh you know watching those matches it had no flavor and I think it it has to do with just like that the atmosphere, the fans, the arena. It's just just feels very lacking, which is a shame because honestly, um, uh, both matches were pretty good, and and luckily the, they were good because um, imagine trying to watch that shit and both matches sucked, and like there's no one there and the arena sucks and there's no atmosphere, no flavor. It's distasteful, and it's dead quiet. And oh my god. Okay, the biggest concern going into this match for the two players is that uh, they've mostly, well, more so Unz than Sabalenko, but mostly they, they haven't really played since the US Open. So both of their uh, forms and uh, fitness was in question. Sabalenko played more recently, and she played two tournaments, uh, I guess, um, bigger, more meaningful tournaments. She played San Diego and Guadalajara. In San Diego, she had a first round bye in the second round, lost to, uh, sorry, beat Sloan Stevens in the third round, or quarterfinal, lost to Donna Bekic. Uh, Guadalajara, first round, lost to Samsonova. Okay. So not very good. Uh, three matches since the US Open. Lost two of them. Unz only played the baby food uh, 250, like we said yesterday, in, in Tunisia. Uh, she beat a, a, a couple of no-names, lost to Claire Lou. Not very good, hasn't played since. Uh, didn't come to San Diego or Guadalajara, so maybe people were expecting uh, both players to come out flat. Uh, maybe a bit rusty, uh, slow, not, like far from their best, and uh, it was quite the contrary. I think both players honestly played really, really well. And it was very close, a very high level from both. And it was good. Sabalenka lost the first set 6-3 by a double break. But honestly, she was playing good. Uh, it looks like she... I mean, there were there were still errors there. Uh, it's part of her game. Uh, I don't think you can ever, 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 if you're Sabalenka, uh, completely eliminate uh, unforced errors. You know, one, two, three, four, five, double faults or something like that. But I think overall, she just tried to uh, tone it back a little bit. Um, try to put more balls in and, and, and try to go for it a little less. Play with bigger margins. And honestly, even though she lost the first set, it was a better look. Uh, she was able to keep most of the games close. Uh, she actually did really well dealing with Unce's, uh slice uh, and backhand and drop shots and, and, and things like that. And she herself... Uh, you know, demonstrated a great use of uh, the slice, the the backhand slice, uh, drop shots uh, coming into the net, uh, like volley drops, uh, things like that, uh, finishing at the net. Sabalenka, really good. Really, really good, which was promising. She lost the first set 6-3 by a double break. I honestly felt like it was a bit unjustified. Watching Sabalenka, I'll say what I want here, be like, yeah, no, I'm done, like, she's not really my favorite, I'm uh, not a Sabalenka fan, I'm always, always, always rooting for her. 
And yesterday from a set down against Uns, a uh, double break. The thing about Sabalenka that separates her from everyone. She actually never gives up. And, and, and she... You know, a lot of people think highly of her. But, but, but I feel like a lot, a lot of people, even, even the ones who think highly of her, they overlook this. Sabalenka never gives up. She always fights. She always plays uh, first point to last. She has never, ever, ever retired. Ever. Like, sure, maybe she's tanked. Maybe uh, she's definitely played hurt a lot. Uh, hurt, injured, whatever she's played a lot. When it feels like the like nothing is going her way, uh, and borderline tears, like she was in Australia at the beginning, uh, like way back this year in, in January. Uh, she doesn't retire. She keeps playing, fighting for every point. Uh. It's a sad, that should be the bare minimum, sort of, like, like, the, like we shouldn't praise people for doing this in a, in, a, in a sort of ideal world, like, you shouldn't praise someone for doing this, because this, this would seem like it's, it's, it's one of those things, like, the bare minimum, right, like, I mean, that's just what you expect, it's not like you're going above and beyond, you're just uh, competing and fighting for every point and not giving up, like, is that so hard, in an ideal world, but this is not an ideal world, Nobody does this. Not many players do this. A lot. We know a lot. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name names. We know a lot of players that uh, give up, blatantly tank, quit, retire. Uh, Paula Bedosa, Emer. Yeah, there's a lot of them. A lot. A lot of them. Sabalenka never gives up, and no matter. And on top of this, she's also. I swear to God, the unluckiest player I've seen. Oh my god, if she had some Paula Bedosa, Maria Sakari, Coco Goff, Iga Sviantek look. As far as draws, points, net cords, uh, balls barely hitting the line, like fractions, like like cheeky lets. You know, just a, just a, a bit of this and a bit of that. Uh, it's a game of inches or whatever, right? She's very unlucky. A lot, a lot of shit doesn't go her way most of the time, but uh, Arena Sabalenka, she never gives up. The Princess Warrior. Came back came back from a set down to beat Unz. Uh, both played really good. Unz kind of let it go. Honestly, Unz had it. Uh, second set, actually, Sabalenka was up a double break, uh, but couldn't consolidate. She served uh, at 3-love, got broke, uh, and then broke again and served at 4-1 for a 5-1 lead uh, and got broke. Um, eventually went to a tie break. Unz was right there. Unz was actually up. No, no, sorry. This was third set. Uh, but Unz was right there in the tie break. Missed a really bad forehand uh, at the net into the open court. It was a free point. The point was already won. Unz uh, sent the ball long. Uh, and then the, and then that brought Sabalenka back on serve. And then Sabalenka was up match point on serving to stay in the in the set in the tie break and had a double fault. Usually when you see shit like that happen, you expect that player, Unz, to sort of collapse, fade away, tank, you know, 7-6 followed by 6-2 or worse, something like that. But actually, Unz was the one who came out uh, in the decider in the third set and played uh, really well, got the advantage, went ahead, uh, looked, uh, you know, looked like she was like, no, nah, I'm not gonna let this slip away. Uh, she was up, Unz, 4-2, with two break points. 
Arena was serving down 2-4. Saved two breakpoints. She held. And then she broke. Once held, Sabalenka held. She took it 7-5. Once was up 4-2. Ended up losing 5-7. She was up 4-2, had breakpoints also. For 5-2, serve... serve uh, and, you know, up a 5-2 lead and an opportunity to serve out the match. Once. But uh, Arena didn't allow it. She's honestly doing a lot better to hold. Not hitting as many aces or as ridiculous as first serves. Um, but that has also helped her to sort of decrease the double faults, the amount of second serves, the, the unforced errors uh, during rallies. Uh, which is good to see. Obviously, there's pros and cons. Uh, it's a, sort of a high-risk, high-reward approach, which was her old one. It could really work out. Or she could, you could rack up 60 errors and, and, and lose so quickly. Or you could hit your opponent off the court if, if, you, if you make your shots. Ball basher. There's a lot of those. Rybakina, Kvitova, Ostapenko, Sabalenka. They all play like that. But she's toned it down a little bit, Sabalenka. Which is good to see, and it worked. Her more conservative approach... Uh, Allowed her somehow to be more competitive, to live to fight another game, another set. You know what? I, it was good. It was very good. Very nice to see. Even though Sakari is the one that's in the lead with, uh, you know, two sets to love win. Uh, Sabalenka, uh, two sets to one win. I think it's clear that Sabalenka is in a very good position in this group. Uh, uh, also, she's yet to play Sa uh, Maria Sakari. And she's yet to play a player that lost in straight sets to Maria Sakari. So I, I think this is um, a very good position for Arena Sabalenka. And I, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. If she can play well this week, honestly, she looked good. More uh, passionate, focused. I, uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm definitely feeling good about her chances. Uh, I think it's like, in my opinion, uh, like 80 Maybe even 90% that she advances now. Ons was definitely the toughest player in the group. The the toughest out. And she got that win. Even if it was in three sets. Uh, but that win is huge. And just and not even the results. But the performance. The way she got the results. Uh, how, how she had to fight back. How, how she had to really dig deep. And, and, and come through. That is vintage Sabalenka. That is Sabalenka. And as I have always preached. When Sabalenka is at her absolute best. No one stands a chance. Nobody can beat her. She can beat anyone. If Sabalenka is playing at her absolute best, no matter who it is playing at their absolute best, she'll beat them. And that's Serena Sabalenka. As far as Unz, that's a t uh, tough result from Unz because honestly, she didn't play bad. Uh, and considering uh, both players, uh, lack of matches, lack of competition, uh, you know, match readiness, fitness... We talked about how Unce is a big rhythm player. She needs momentum. Uh, it showed at times, but overall, I don't really think it was a factor. In all honesty, it's just uh, it wasn't good enough, which is not a dig at Unce and maybe how prepared she was, but Sabalenka was just simply better and too good in the end. Now. Iga Sviantek, Daria Kasatkina, Coco Goff, Caro Gracia. I'm sure you could just hear how excited I was. Um, naturally, the, the sort of the passion came out. Talking about that other group. Great tennis. Uh, two great matches yesterday, honestly. 
uh, and it's competitive. It's the group of death. This group right here, it's the complete opposite. It's Igor Svantec, Cassid Kina, Coco Goff, and Carol Garcia. So expect the energy and sort of the passion to be way less for this one. Okay. Yesterday I said the the other one is the group of death. It's three girls fighting for two spots. Um, this group it's three girls fighting for one spot, uh, which is and those three girls are are basically fighting for second place after ego. Which is sort of like the opposite of a group of death, but it's sort of more horses in the race. There's sort of more at stake for them. Mhm. Mm ego of first place winner. That's that's in the bag. She honestly shouldn't play her matches. It's going to be win-win-win. Right? Uh, okay, but it's like... from And the other three girls are shit. They're all shit. They're all really bad. But one of them is going to go through, unfortunately. The good news is two of them will fuck off. The bad news is one of them will go through and, and make a, 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 a semi-final at the WTA finals in Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. It's like that. We talked about uh, Coco Goff, we talked about Dasha Kasatkina, we talked about Caro Garcia and their respective seasons and, and just sort of uh, how we feel about them going into this week. Now, Iga, Iga Svjantek, world number one, had a remarkable win streak earlier this year. 35 or 36 or 37 wins or something won like 10 like uh, maybe i'm not gonna exaggerate maybe like i think she won like f honestly i don't know maybe five titles was it eight somewhere between <laughs> five and eight i don't know look i uh, when it comes to ego like uh, there's a disconnect there uh so forgive me if i misspeak or or or, or 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 give sort of spread misinformation that's really not my intention okay I'm gonna sort of uh, start it. This is not. I'm not ordering this in 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 order of sort of importance or significance. I'm gonna try my try my best to do this in chronological order and as it happened. Okay, from start to finish, uh, Ega season so far, uh, briefly summarized. Okay, um, Australian Open this year wasn't really in uh the 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 spotlight. Okay, uh, didn't win any slams the previous year, uh, wasn't world number one, obviously Ash Barty was still around. Going into the Australian Open way back in January this year, uh, it was sort of all eyes on Ash Barty. Never won the Aussie, she's playing really well. Um, Ash Barty. Okay, in Australia, uh, the, the whatever. So this whole, the, the Ega craze and all of this, the, the, the entire outrage surrounding Ega Svjantek, uh, wasn't really a thing. At the Australian Open, she played against a good tennis player, Daniel Collins, who ended up making the final. And uh, would you believe it, Iga Svantec lost. And then Ash Barty retired. And then the tour, uh, the way it looked, it was... A lot of players, a lot of players, uh, not in very good form to start the year. Okay, she went to Dubai. I, If I recall correctly, I was there. Beat Daria Kasatkina, WTA finalist this week in Fort Worth, Texas, in the first round. 
and the second round played against Ostapenko, uh, who's a pretty capable player, and would you believe it, she lost. Ostapenko ended up winning uh, the tournament, obviously playing really well that week. You know, she, she won the WTA 500 in Dubai, played incredible. Definitely by far uh, one of her best uh, sort of performances out of, at an event, Ostapenko, in the last two years. And would you believe it? Iga played against a player at their peak, and Iga lost. Daniel Collins made the Aussie Open final, and she was playing some of her best. Honestly, was competitive in, in one of the sets against Ash Barty before she pissed it all away. Uh, and, and Iga faced her early in the tournament against a player peaking, playing really good high-level tennis, and would you believe it? Iga lost. After Dubai was Doha, and that's when it started for Iga. Everyone on the tour was an absolute shit show at the time. Sort of the best names on tours, or maybe like the hottest players on tour were. Uh, I'm just gonna say Ostapenko, Contivate, Zachary Badosa. Rankings-wise, and just, you know, who everyone is sort of looking at or talking about to be in the mix. And Iga Svantec and Sabalenka, but Sabalenka had a horrible start to the year in Australia. Uh, but sort of those were the names in the mix. Ostapenko won Dubai, so it was like some eyes on Ostapenko, obviously former Grand Slam champion. Mugrutha, who was one name uh, in the top 10, not even in the mix, playing her absolute worst. And then back in February or March, I, I said this and I still stand by it. Iga is so fortunate that Muguruza, Sabalenka, Ostapenko are all playing bad, like poorly at the same time. They're all pretty shit, all at the same time. Uh, so lucky for, for Iga. How fortunate. Oh, it's not Iga's fault. I'm not saying it's Iga's fault. I'm just saying this is very fortunate. That that happened for you, how that worked out for you. All these players, not playing well at the moment. The state of the WTA Tour, absolute shambles. Nobody is playing well. Her her biggest, and, and this will be reflected in a second, her biggest sort of rival or threat was Maria Sakari. That tells you everything. Look, you're going to tell me, oh, but look, it's, 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 it's not Iga's fault. If they're playing bad, why is that her problem? It's not. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it is. Congratulations, you won. Congratulations on winning uh, Miami, beating Maria Sacri in the final. Uh, you, great job. I I'm just saying. It's very fortunate. How how that worked out? Everyone's playing like shit. Uh, Maria Sacri in a final. You know. I mean, look. Don't get me wrong. Great job. On that note, before I continue, one of the best things Iga does, uh, better probably, definitely better than everyone on tour, is that she does very well taking advantage of her opponent's mistakes. She is nobody is better than her at capitalizing on sort of mishaps or little dips in level or energy or quality. No, nobody sort of punishes a player for their mistakes more than Iga. She is so good at that. She's so good at taking advantage of any sort of small wind of opportunity, see, uh, seizing the moment, all that shit. Iga, that is 
why she's so great and won so many titles and won so many matches in a row. She is so good just knowing when to pounce and being like a fucking, what's the word, like a predator in that sense. You know, she waits, she waits, not not waits, but she's sort of there, there, there. And then she sees her opportunity, she pounces. She goes for it. Goes for the juggler. She is so good at doing that. Everyone on tour is playing like shit. Well, it's time for me to strap the fuck up. Let's go. Let me rip 35 matches. Good for you for doing that and taking advantage. Uh, it's just so fortunate how that worked out for you. I must say. And look, I... Uh, and I, I'm, I'm being 100% serious. I try and be as reasonable as I can. I'm... I, I really believe that I try to be as objective and as reasonable as I, I can and try and look at it from, from sort of different angles or perspectives. And I'm, I'm really just, just keeping it real. So, Safe, what are you saying? If we look at her title by title, the first one was Doha. Uh, Ostapenko was on like a 10 or 11 match win streak going back uh, to Dubai where she won and then she sort of shot the bet. And Contivate uh, suddenly fell off all of a sudden. Uh, I think Contivate beat Ostapenko and like Contivate like lost to like Sakari or something or lost to Ego or, or something. It was one of those, those were like the four names in the mix. Uh, but somehow, some way, like towards the end of the Doha tournament, like quarterfinals or semis, uh, everyone started playing like shit. Ostapenko, Contivate, and those, these were some of the best names at the time. Uh, yeah, and then Iga just won. There it is. And my uh, Sunshine Double in the US, uh, Miami and Indian Wells. Everyone, everyone played like shit. I'll tell you who the four best players were in those two weeks, not named Iga. And this is fact, you can look it up. Kudermetova, Vondrusova, Maria Sakari, Osaka. The two finalists that she beats in Miami Indian Wells, Sakari, Osaka. That tells you everything. Osaka fucking left the beach where, where she was taking selfies and, and, and uh, she was taking beach pics that nobody wanted it to see. She, she, she hopped off the, the Chaiselon and um, went to Miami, made a final. That tells you everything you need to know about the state of the WTA tour at that moment. And Sakari won. Uh, sorry, and... Uh, and the other one was Sakari Iga beat both. She won both. Uh, also, and this is another great quality of Iga. Uh, first, I talk about I talked about how she's really, really good at capitalizing on her opponent's any little slip up, and even if it's a more general thing, like everyone on the tour is playing poorly, there's no clear sort of uh favorite or contender let me let me let me step up right now this is my chance everyone's playing like shit i'm gonna go now and and good for you you're you're you were good enough uh you had the opportunity uh you took it you seized the moment uh you won your matches even if they were against zachary or players playing like shit uh it has nothing to do with you. you you did your thing you played your game you won congratulations great job okay it's just so fortunate how it worked out that way. The other thing is, another great quality about Egan. By the way, look, this has nothing to do with tennis. This is just sort of uh, intangibles or maybe something uh, like a 
psychological or mental thing. I'm not talking about anything sort of on-court technique or forehand, backhand or anything like that, okay? She is so good at using momentum, the snowball effect. One win will lead to another. And those that's now two wins, and that will lead to a third and the fourth. She did the same. She did it with matches. She did it with titles. That's really good. It's impressive. Uh, it's it's confidence. The self belief grows. Um, I I'm a I'm a bigger and stronger player, more confident. She starts to play better and better and better and better as she wins, 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 wins. It's a snowball effect. Ten ten match win streak turned to twenty. And when she's playing her 21st match, she's better than she was in the previous 20. She gets better and better. Snowball effect. One, one title turns to two, turns to three, four, five. She won six, seven, eight titles in a row. I don't know how many she won, honestly. During clay season, everyone was shit. And in the French Open final, honestly, she's remarkable on clay. No one can keep up. But also the state of the tour at that time during uh, clay season, um, uh, to be honest, it was horrible. Uh, safe, what's your evidence? Uh, Coco Goff made a final. <laughs> uh, that tells you everything you need to know about the state of the tour. Coco Goff made her uh, first ever Grand Slam final. Obviously, she fucking lost. But there you go. That's, that tells you everything you need to, need to know. Martina Trevisan was a semi-finalist. Okay. She's so so good. French Open, I uh, you know okay, Martina Trevisan semi finalist, uh, Coco Goff's in the final. Yeah, no one's really playing uh, well. That's not her fault. Uh, uh, honestly, she's very good on clay. Okay, in the previous week she played in Rome. She won Rome with absolute ease. This was sort of the the peak or the height of her win streak. I think performance wise, she was playing really well uh, in Rome. Won that title. Uh, won the French Open, really good stuff. That, I uh, can't really... Like, that's that was impressive, it was really good. Okay, I'm trying to think of how many titles she won. It went Doha, Miami, Indian Wells, that's three. And then Rome, French Open, I think that's... Oh, Stuttgart, six. I think that's six, if I recall correctly. Stuttgart, yeah. Doha, Miami, Indian Wells, Stuttgart, Rome... French Open, there we go. Th those six. And then it was grass season. Her weakest surface. Uh, and not to say, like, weakest surface, like, this is just, like, I'm better on the other ones. Like, no weakest surface, but she is also weak on that surface, on the grass. Uh, lost to Alizé Cornet in straights. Uh, we saw, that day, we saw a player, uh, Alizé Cornet, uh, Play a really good match. And what do you know? Eagle lost. Another thing I want to say. And it's kind of like the the witchcraft shit of Castle Kina. Uh, everyone somehow always plays their worst match against Ego. Uh, but I can sort of play devil's advocate. And give some credit to Ego. For her being the reason why her opponents are playing so bad. If that makes sense. 
like just sort of the relentless uh, pressure, uh, outworking them, uh, outsmarting them, and then just uh, and then just then they sort of like spiral out of control. Uh, devil's advocate, I'll let it slide for ego, okay. But I think it's just something to sort of put a star next to it. Somehow, man, some way, and how fortunate is, is this for Ego? Uh, her opponents do really seem to not play very well whenever they face her, but that's not important. And here's the thing with Iga, and no matter who you are, if you're Polish, if you're a sick, uh, twisted, diehard Ego fan, and you're Polish or something, and you're jazzed the Iga to the core... Even if that's the case. And if you're a reasonable person also. Any reasonable tennis fan I think will agree with this. If a player is playing at their absolute best, they stand a chance against Ego. I don't think you can disagree with that. Danielle Collins at her absolute best stood a chance against Ego and beat her. Uh, devil's advocate here, just like what someone would, some somebody else's rebuttal. What would they say in response to that? Oh well, Ego wasn't playing at her absolute best. Danielle was. Ego wasn't. I'm going as far as to say that even if she was, there are some players at their absolute best. No matter how Ego's playing, good, bad, great, best, peak, Sharapova, uh, they'd stand a chance against her and probably beat her. Okay, and for example, I think Sabalenko, at her absolute best, she beats everyone, anyone, no matter what. I can't say the same for Iga. Iga at her absolute best can probably beat everyone, and she did, we already know that. But if someone else is at their absolute best, I don't know. They definitely stand a chance, and I think we saw it. If you look at her losses... Uh, the evidence is... Proof is in the pudding or whatever. I don't know how that goes. Okay. Now the San Diego incident. I'm going to say this really quickly. Where is it? Let me pull this up. So in, in San Diego against Donna Vekic in the final, uh, Iga did that thing, and it's not the first time she does that thing, and it's sort of is a recurring thing and that's why i think she finally sort of addressed it people have had enough it's not, it's not like it was a one-off incident happened once or something like that uh it happened a bunch of times and people were kind of like yo you're like yo what the fuck what's good with this and i'm pretty sure like most of you like should know about this you probably do know about this um so uh, what she does is that when she plays like a short ball or a deep ball or, or, or something like that, and, and she uh, goes up to the net, uh, right before her opponent hits the ball, she sort of like does like a star jump or like a jumping jack or whatever, just sort of uh, jumps in the air and like flashes her arms uh, at the net as soon as her opponent, like during the point, as soon as her opponent is about to uh, return the ball back. And this is what she said, uh, you know, she was asked about it, and then she eventually made a statement and, and then uh, sort of addressed the issue uh, for the first time. And this happened uh, maybe three, four, five, six times uh, this year, okay? And, you know, it's very interesting how now we talk about it. Like, now it, now you want to talk about it. Like, she, she has been doing this for a time, and a lot more little uh, 
what do you want to call it, her antics, you know, it, it really does go uh, under the radar, unnoticed, undiscussed. I always say like, yo, why is no one talking about this? Uh, finally, we're talking about it. Finally. Okay, it's called the arm waving controversy, if you want to look it up. That's like the, if you want to like search on Google or YouTube or Twitter or whatever. Ego Shiontek arm waving controversy. And here's what she said, and uh, this is a quote from Ego. Okay. I can't control it, but I hope it will never happen again. We are working on it. It is a stress reaction to what is happening. It is an, uh, excuse me, I'm such a bad like reader, you know, like out loud sort of narrative. Okay, here we go. It is a stress reaction to what is happening. It is an involuntary reaction. I did it during the US Open and as I recall, it was a stressful moment. In San Diego, I did it unconsciously. Right after the game, I approached Donna and apologized. She had no hard feelings. It turned out she didn't recall this at all. I hope fans will understand me as well. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> I'm aware of the many negative comments on the internet concerning this incident. She's talking about me. I'm not proud of the fact that sometimes I am not in control of what I do on the court. And here's what I want to say from a very uh, psychological uh, sort of con cons co okay wow I'm really gonna get this wrong but it is a tricky word conscientious perspective conscientious co wow no way I say it twice con cons cons conscientious I think I got it and and very psychological uh, way here's what I have to say about this. So she talked about stress, a uh, very stressful situation, uh, pressure, stressful moment. Um, that's a stress reaction. I did it unconsciously. Um, I cannot control it. Uh, th these are the words she said. As humans, and this is no secret, uh, um, when uh, we're tired, or when we're scared, or when we're stressed or anxious, what we do as humans is during these moments, stressful moments, uh, when we're tired, uh, anxious, whatever, whatever, we go back to we we start behaving and acting. Uh, I am so bad at explaining things. We we go back to our, like our sort of our roots, our core, and we and we do and we behave like how we truly are, because like. We're stressed, so it's just like instincts. Like, this is just who I am. This is like, I'm just going to do this. For example, like in practice, if you're training for a sport or practicing uh, at a sport, whatever, team, solo, whatever, and uh, you're really tired, and like you start doing things like in bad form, uh, then your coach or your trainer, whoever tells you like, no, 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 like I know you're fucking tired right now, but, like, you got to do this in good form because, like, no matter if we practice good form earlier, like, if in a game or a match or whatever and you get tired, you're going to go back to doing to your in in instinctual shit. Okay? That's a really bad example, I know. But I, 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 I hope that I'm able to sort of... Uh, what's the word? Wow, I, I'm... S 
I'm a horrible speaker. Send that message across. That's That doesn't sound right. But I, I hope I can paint that picture. When you're tired, stressed, anxious, scared, uh, uh, you, you sort of revert back to your, your instincts, your core, who you really are. And it's very interesting that ego, when um, she's in stressful moments and... Um, it's it's a high pressure moment and, and she's probably very anxious and and and, and she, it's it's unconsciously her true colors show her, who she really is at the at the very core it sort of comes out in these moments where she can no longer act or 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 or, or behave or, or sort of portray herself in a certain way because in, in these moments like yeah maybe you lose the control a little bit and you, you revert, you go back to who you really are, which is a disgusting, pathetic human being. At the very core, you are a rat. You're 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 a pest. And 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 that little arm waving controversy controversy uh, just shows who she really is, like deep down, to put it simply. It just really shows her true colors. And she actually you know, with this statement that I just read out to you, and, and she did say this um, via Eurosport, that's my source. Um, uh, she thinks she's sort of, you know, letting herself off the hook or something, but it actually, uh, what's the word, uh, incriminates her further. That's maybe not the right word. Um, but, but it sort of really uh, paints that picture fully and shows you, like, this is who I am at my absolute core. Like, I have no control of this. I'm a disgusting fucking rat. And when I'm tired and anxious and stressed, sorry, I just can't control it when there's pressure. And, and it just comes out. I'm sorry. You know? Like, deep, deep down, just bad sportsmanship, just jumping as soon as her opponent's about to hit a shot and try to put them off or something like that's who you are I, like deep down thank you for showing me it's not like i didn't already know this but this confirms it that's she's she's a piece of shit i've been saying she's actually very rude uh pretty bad uh very bad sportswoman you know as far as sportsmanship goes she displays very poor sportsmanship and uh, this amongst many other things you know, match point, break point, going to change a racket, throwing her arm up, you know, it's little things like that, they call it gamesmanship, it's pathetic in my opinion, and I think her true colors are starting to show, if, I, if you can't see it, I don't know what to tell you, but this arm-waving controversy, I think it's really interesting, it just shows you that deep, deep down, this is who she is, she's disgusting. I can't control it, she said, this is just who I am, I'm, I'm a... I'm a filthy fucking rat. I'm sorry. And it doesn't matter. And, and here's the thing. And, and here's the thing. And don't get it twisted. Come on. Let's be smart and reasonable. And, and let's do better. Me and you here. Let's talk. Okay. And, and let's think about this correctly. Okay. So so we can just be objective and, and, and have a serious discussion. Me and you. Okay. Look, it doesn't matter if it actually puts off her opponent or not. She even said it herself. Um, <clears throat> sorry. In San Diego, I did it unconsciously. Right after the, uh, the game, I approached Donna and apologized. She had no hard feelings, and it turns out she didn't even recall this at all. 
it doesn't fucking matter. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I mean, that's not the point. Hindrance, is it hindrance or whatever? Like, sure, that's a whole nother argument. But that doesn't even matter. Even if she doesn't see it. Even if you, if you didn't put her off. Or if she isn't aware of what's going on, she's not distracted. Uh, you know what I mean? Even, even, let's say, which I'm not saying, but let's say I'll give it to you. Doesn't matter, she didn't see it. It didn't impact her shot whatsoever. She had no idea what happened, Donna. Her, her opponents are unimpacted by this. Let's say that. It doesn't fucking matter. You're a piece of shit regardless. It's the principle. It's not sort of the result. It's the principle. Uh, you, you can't do that shit. Like, why are you such a piece of shit? You, you, do you know what I'm saying? Like... And, and I think that's more important than like we're talking like if we we're going to assess a character uh, You got to keep it real and, and just 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 look at her and, and, and You know make make an assessment on, on who Iga Svjantek really is and really 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 do think about it Okay Doesn't doesn't matter her opponent didn't see it and, and that's a whole nother conversation which by the way I agree of course it's hindrance by the way, it totally is hindrance. Like, of course, you're putting, you're flashing your fucking arms, bro. The players uh, during points and rallies, they bitch and moan if if someone in the stands where they're not even looking during a point, they surely they don't. Maybe like through the corner of their eye or it's in the background, but a flash goes off. They're they're fucking losing their shit. If like one light goes off in the ceiling or in the stadium, they notice it, and that's for them hindrance. They bitch and moan about it. Okay, if like a fucking advertising board, like one of those like LED screens or whatever, uh, like flashes or changes colors or changes ad midpoint, they lose their shit. It's hindrance. It puts them off. They're in the fucking zone. They're not looking at it or focusing at it, but but it's it's you know it's part of the sort of sensory information that you take in. And this is your opponent at the net where you're looking, you know, like throwing your fucking arms up. But you know what? You know what? She didn't see it. And uh, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. Let's say it's not hindrance. It totally is, by the way. And it's very bad sportsmanship. But let's say it isn't. Iga Svjantek is a piece of shit for doing this. And at the... At... In... At the absolute core. Her very core. Like her... Their deepest of roots. Like to the fucking bone. She's a piece of shit person. I, I could use much more colorful language. But I'm just going to say she's she's a filthy rat. Uh, honestly, that's really bad behavior. And here's the biggest problem. Oh, you think this is... Uh, oh, my God. I'm going to need some water after. And here, here's, here is the absolute biggest problem. Forget, forget, forget about everything that I said. Doesn't matter. Forget about everything. It doesn't matter. Here's the biggest problem. The biggest problem is that moving on, moving forward, she's portrayed as this wonderful, fucking perfect, absolute role model of a tennis player. That That is the biggest problem. In the media, in the uh, fucking Twitter, everyone is fucking shaking their ass talking about how 
doing backflips and, and twerking and, and 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 going uh 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 uh, just talking about how good if how good and and forget about tennis and on court. How Iga is just an amazing, uh, amazing person, wonderful human being. And before I get a heart attack or a stroke or something, um, I'm just gonna leave it there and say that uh, Iga is not a wonderful human being. Okay, I said what I said, and uh, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm, I don't want you to believe me. I just want you to think about it. Okay, that's all I ask. Just, just, uh, just think about it. Um, you, you don't have to believe me. You don't have to agree with me. Just, just think about it. And if you disagree, if, if you, uh, but don't disagree without thinking about it. Just think about it first, and once you've thought about it, think about it again. And then if you disagree, or if you don't agree, or if you think I'm full of shit, I would like to talk to me, we can talk. Uh, but just please do think about it. Okay? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it there. Obviously, I skipped the part where she um, won the US Open, Iga Svantec. Um I didn't get to talk about that. Um, she won the U.S. Open, and she wasn't really playing really well. But it's not like how Djokovic won Wimbledon. Like, Djokovic won Wimbledon, and he wasn't even playing well at all. Like, performance-wise, Djokovic, I'd give him a C-plus for Wimbledon, even though he won. But if we're assessing Djokovic as Djokovic performance-wise, his, his sort of his level, his the, the quality of Novak Djokovic throughout Wimbledon from start to finish, it's a C, C-plus. I think that's very reasonable. Djokovic was not good at all in Wimbledon, but he won. Uh, okay, <clears throat> very good. We'll, we'll we'll just leave that there. We'll go back to Iga, but we'll come back to it. Iga Svantec was not good at all at the U.S. Open, true, but she did end up winning. Also true. Here's the huge difference, and this is why we should not get get things twisted, and why I ask you to think about these things. It's important to know these things and to, to think about it and, and to sort of perceive things correctly. It's a, it's a huge difference. Please don't get it twisted. Djokovic won Wimbledon, played like shit, but won Wimbledon. Djokovic's opponents at Wimbledon did not play like shit. Okay, think about this. I'm going to repeat it. Djokovic played like shit. All of her, all of his opponents played really, really well. Djokovic, despite like, despite playing like absolute shit, still won Wimbledon. And all of his opponents were playing really, really good. Yannick Sinner, Cam Nori, Nick Kyrgios—they all played really well. Some of their best, some of their absolute best. Djokovic. Far from his absolute best, CC plus. I'm not going to say his absolute worst. I'm just going to say far, far, far. He played like shit. You can say for Novak standards uh, at Wimbledon, he played like shit. All of his opponents played really, really well. And Djokovic still won. Iga Svantec played like shit, won US Open. But all of her opponents played like shit. All of her opponents played like shit. Congratulations, she won the title. Uh, uh, Iga, great, uh, truly uh, great job. Uh, you you capitalized over the, the weak competition. You capitalized on your opponent's mistakes. You seized every opportunity. Uh, you did your part. You, 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 
you know, you, you did what it what it took to win, and and you did a great job, and and you did all of this despite despite not playing very well or or anywhere near your best, Ego. I'll give you that. Congratulations, great job. Uh, there are levels to the shit, and there's it's a huge difference. Um, why do I bring up Novak? What does that have to do anything? Are you trying to compare Ego to Novak? No, I'm not. Please, God, no. I'm not trying to. Uh, compare them to at all I'm just saying Novak's opponents played really well and Novak still won so like there's really nothing anyone there's really nothing that anyone could do about it I mean they uh, Kirio, Sinner, Nori played their absolute best and Djokovic wasn't anywhere near his best still beat him mm-hmm uh, Sviantec wasn't at her absolute best, but neither were her opponents. If just one of them did well, played well, they would have beat her. That's the difference. That's a huge difference. Like Hirio, Sinner, I, I don't know who else did he play. Nori, Tsitsipa, I don't know. He played a lot of matches, tough matches. Four setters, five setters, come from behind Djokovic. Played like absolute shit through all of them. Still won. There, which and there is nothing that anyone could do to stop him, Djokovic. Nothing. Iga. Yes. Just play one good match. Big Julie Niemeyer, play one good match from start to finish. You beat Iga. Jesse Pagula, uh, play play a good match against Iga. Unshabur, please. Sabalenka, you're up a set. You just played the best sets of your whole season. Capitalize. Uh, Sablenka, you're up 4-2 in the decider. Why do you lose 4-6? Why do you throw up all over yourself? Ego's playing like shit. And that's that. I'll give her credit. It, it's She takes advantage. Other players can't really do that. Capitalize with, with every lead. Uh, Ego does that better than anyone. And, and good for her. That's, that's I think, honestly, it goes far to say that's 60% of why she does so well 60% of her excess mentally uh psychologically she just knows when to pounce she takes advantage of every opportunity ego and nobody uh does it better than her uh, a lot of people don't even do it period but she is so good at this she uses it to her advantage uh she pounces like a predator she finds her window she goes in and it's over for you she does that so well but there are levels to this shit uh, like I said, if some if certain players were playing better, and look, it's not Ego's fault. It's like, oh, like, like, oh, why, why is it Ego's fault that they weren't playing? I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it is. Congratulations, you won. Uh, relax. I'm just saying there's levels to this shit, and and you just need to. Uh, I just want you to think about these things. Okay, just think about it. And then she went to Ostrava in the Czech Republic. Uh, had a not had a it was a really good tournament. She wasn't having her best of weeks, but she made it to the final against Barbara Krzykova, who was on an absolute, uh, absolute resurging. Uh, Barbara Krzykova, uh, her little comeback tour. She won uh, the two fifty indoors in Estonia the previous week. Went to her uh, hometown. Uh, not hometown, sorry, to her home country, the Czech Republic, Ostrava, the 500 indoors. 
Um, by the way, in the final, Iga Barbora, it was in Czech. There were more Polish people than Czechs. Uh, maybe it was 50-50. Um, Iga's hometown apparently is only a 40-minute drive away. It's uh, right like at, at the border or whatever. Uh, the the support for Iga, or really f the support for both players was just immense. And it was a really great environment, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, yeah, really. Um, but what do you know? A player played really well, and would you believe it? Iga lost! Like, can you actually believe that? Barbora Krzykova was absolutely spitting, and she beat Iga. Just, just think, just, just think about it. Look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. She's, uh, Iga's remarkable. Her accomplish, uh, 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 accomplishments this year are remarkable. I would just like to say that it's, it's. She was very fortunate. Every step of the way. Uh, shit goes her way players don't play well uh you know e easy match i don't know what it is okay um but this was a good discussion about igish fiancic let's let's now just go look at these two matches uh really quickly and then that'll be that for today okay okay so today ego cast kino two players who faced each other Three times this year in like three tournament like in, in, in like one month they face each other three times. Uh Iga wiped the floor with Kasatkina every time. Uh before coming into this year, last year they had one meeting and it was on the grass where Iga's very weak and Kasatkina won from a set down. Uh Kasatkina throughout the year, uh sort of topsy turvy, has no second serve, but really Iga as of late, I'm really not impressed. At all. I don't think she's been unstoppable or unplayable like she was, let's say, for example, during the clay season. Where, like, no matter who, no matter what, like, you, you couldn't really come near her. But nowadays, no. Like, US Open, she was definitely beatable. Uh, Ostravo, she was beaten. Uh, San Diego, she was definitely beatable. And here we are. Let's see. I mean... Slow indoor courts. I mean, it, it, it could be interesting. Okay. From what we've seen, Ego, not the absolute best indoors. And this is a, a slower surface, so it could be interesting. Uh, maybe Kasatkina can do bits. Okay, who knows? The line is five and a half games for Ego. Uh, total is like 19, 19 and a half. Um, let's see. The other match, Coco Goff. Sai and Carol Garcia. Um, honestly, I don't know if there will be fans uh, today. Uh, you know, Coco Goff in the U.S. Uh, didn't do Jesse Pegula much favors yesterday, you know, playing on U.S. soil. Um, but obviously, Jesse Pegula is not the massive superstar that Coco Goff is, right? So there's that. Um As far as this match goes, I think it's a 50-50 coin flip. Uh, so I'm not going to say who my pick is, but you know, usually when a game is 50-50, it means that the lines should be closer. And um, yeah, if uh, the lines 
don't reflect that it's a 50-50. Maybe there's certain value on uh, uh, one of the sides, you know? So these are my thoughts. I'm not looking forward to these matches whatsoever. I'm not looking forward to this group whatsoever. I, I really hope just, you know, okay, Iga, first place. Uh, as far as the other three girls, rock, paper, scissors, and then you get second place. Cancel this group. Uh, play the other group, and then you can just, uh, you know, fast forward the semifinals. So, like, the first place, the winner of the group of death will play against the second place of this rock, paper, scissors group. And the, the second place of the group of death will play again in the semifinal. We can, we can just wait for that. That's just my opinion. Uh, I hope it's a bigger crowd today. There's no, you know, it's not Halloween, no trick-or-treating. So let's see what the what the turnout looks like. Uh, maybe maybe it is the Iga Świątek effect. Maybe it's the Iga Świątek Coco Golf effect. Uh, but yeah, uh, I will watch. Uh, I, secretly, I am looking forward to it. But uh, yeah. Certainly a very low bar, even though yesterday the, the matches were great. And I would love for, for it to sort of meet my expectations and, and match yesterday's sort of performance and quality. But anyway, um, anyway, uh, a bit of a longer episode today, one hour and 20 minutes. Uh, this has been The Safe Space. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And as always, best of luck to us, and I'll see you guys tomorrow.